Hello, folks, and welcome to the weekly podcast of Independent Methodist Church in Macon, Mississippi. We hope that this message will bless your heart, draw you closer to Jesus Christ, and help you in your daily walk as you seek to serve our Lord. John chapter 4. Do you remember your first kiss? <laughs> I remember my I remember my first kiss. It was second grade. Second grade. I was in second grade at Central Academy and we had a there was a big tree out just right out down the hill there. Some of y'all may remember the big tree right down there, just right out from the elementary building. And I think it was maybe an oak tree or maybe a pecan, I don't know. But in second grade, a little girl in my class planted one right here on this cheek. And let me tell you, we think that the rumor mill and the gossip train moves fast when you're an adult. But the second grade gossip train moves fast. By the end of recess, Everybody in the class knew that I had been kissed. And I was so terribly shy back then, I, I wanted to dig a hole and crawl and bury myself in it. But anyway, that happened in second grade. George Strait wrote a song back in the mid-90s about a third grade romance that he had between him and a little girl. And, and the words went something like this. Do you love me? Do you want to be my friend? And pass this note. Do you love me and do you want to be my friend? And if you do, well then don't be afraid to take me by the hand if you want to. I think this is how love goes. Check yes or no. We sometimes will pass those little notes in elementary school. I know you may have done that. I did in third grade. After my successful second grade romance, I was feeling 10 foot tall and bulletproof. And so I sent one of those yes or no notes to a little girl in my third grade class and just simply said, will you be my girlfriend? And the answer was no. <laughs> I was shot down. We have trouble expressing our emotions sometimes, especially us guys. And the English language doesn't really do us any favors. We have one love in the English language, one word for love, and that's love. We say, I love my wife, or I love my husband, I love tacos, I love baseball. It's the same word, but it's different meanings. We don't mean the same thing. But the Greek language, had, they had it made. They had three different words for love. Not just one, but three different words for love. The first word for love that was in the Greek language was the word eros, E-R-O-S. It's where we get our word erotic, and it's... Basically, the, the physical love, the, the love for a man and a woman in marriage. Second word that they had for love in the Greek language was the word phileo. Where we get our word Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. It's, it's that, that brotherly affection that you have for a brother or a friend. And then the third word in the Greek language is agapeo. 
which is that agape love, that love that God has for his children, for us, an unconditional love. And it's that third type of love this morning that we're going to look at as we read together in 1 John chapter 4, as we look at God's love this morning. 1 John chapter 4, we're going to start there reading verse 7. God's word says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed, us, showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love, of, the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment, because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet he hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let's pray together. Fathers, we open and study your word this morning as we examine some things about the love of God. Open our hearts and open our minds, Lord. Hide me behind the cross as I proclaim the message you've given me to preach. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What is true love? This agape love that we speak about. The love that God has for us. Someone wrote this to describe it. It says, It is silence when your words would hurt. It is patience when your neighbor is curt. It is deafness when scandal flows. It is thoughtfulness for someone else's woes. It is promptness when stern duty calls. It is courage when misfortune falls. This morning as we look into God's word and try to glean some truth from his word as we examine his love, I hope that we'll find something to apply to our daily lives as we look into his word this morning. First thing I want us to notice about God's love are the properties of God's love. The properties of God's love. We're all familiar with that 
chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And you don't have to turn there, but 1 Corinthians 13 gives us some properties of God's love. Very common, common uh, scripture that's used. Starting in verse 4, it says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. When we think about the properties of God's love, the first thing I want you to see is that God's love is unending. It's an unending love. Jeremiah 31 and verse 3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Read a story of a young teenage couple and they were madly in love with each other. And the young lady said, do you love me? And he said, yes, dear, I love you. Do you really love me? I love you so much. She said, would you die for me? He said, oh no, I have an undying love. It's an unending love. God's love is never ending. Romans 8 and verse 38 and verse 39 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's an unending love. It's never ending. It won't stop. I saw this on Facebook this week. Somebody posted a little meme, they call them, and it had a, had a caption, and it says, I've given God a million reasons not to love me, but none of them has changed his mind. Maybe y'all saw that this week. That's the way I feel. I've given him millions of reasons not to love me, but he keeps on loving. It's never-ending. It's a never-ending love. Nothing can make it stop. Not only is it an unending, unending love, it's an unmerited love. We don't do anything to deserve it. God's love is not based on anything you and I can ever do. It's not based on our behavior. It's not based on works. It's based on Him. It's unmerited. It's His choice to do that. Ephesians 2 and verse 8 says, For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. You see, it's an undeserved gift. It's unmerited. If it were due to our own righteousness, then it would be considered a reward. If it were earned, and with us being sinful as we are, then God would be saying, he'd be consenting to our evil if he gave it to us. If it were to be earned, but it's not to be earned. God's love is unmerited. It's based on his willingness and his choice. Romans 5 and verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's unending. It's unmerited. It's unconditional. Unconditional love. A little girl wrote, a letter to God one time. She was, she said, Dear God, I just don't see how you can love everybody in the entire world. She went on to say, I've only got four people in my family and I'm really having a tough time. 
It's unconditional. And now that word unconditional gets misused a lot today. Unconditional love. We throw that away, throw that around flippantly and and uh, gives people the wrong impression. God loves us unconditionally. But God hates our sin. He can't stand our sin. He loves us unconditionally, but he hates our sin. But he's not willing for any of us to perish, but for all to have eternal life, to come through Jesus to have eternal life. But sadly, many choose to reject him. So many people choose self over Savior. Sadly, they reject him. And they go about their daily lives not really worried too much about God. We've seen the prophecies, properties of God's love. Let's look now at the, the purpose of God's love. I asked the girls this week, God, what's God's purpose for his love? And they gave me some of the answers that I'd already thought about. For one, God's purpose for his love so that we might have a relationship with him. Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 17 God says, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty Savior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. God rejoices over us. His purpose is for us to have a relationship with him. He created us in his image. Genesis 5 and verse 1, God created man in his own image, and the image of God created him, male and female. He created them. Secondly, the purpose of God's love is so that we might live. So that we might live. 1 John 4 and verse 9, we just read a minute ago, he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live. That's the purpose of his love. John 3, 16 is a very familiar passage to all of us, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. In verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. It's the purpose of his love to have a relationship with him so that we might live. But why, why else would God love us? It's nothing, we're not lovely. It's nothing we can do. We're most unlovely. He doesn't just love us. The scripture says God is love. It's his very essence, very nature. He is love. And so this is kind of a profound statement. But love can't be love unless it's got something to love. Let me say that again. Love can't be love unless it's got something to love. God is love, and so he's got to have something to love. But someone wrote this. It says, love permeates God's very being, and it infuses all his other attributes, even his wrath and anger. Because God's very nature is love, he must demonstrate love just as he must demonstrate all his other attributes, because doing so glorifies him. Glorifying God is the highest, the best, and the most noble of all acts. So naturally, glorifying himself is what he must do, because he's the highest and the best, and he deserves all the glory. God is love. 
And therefore, he must have something to love. We've talked about the properties of God's love. How it's unmerited. How it's unconditional. How it's unending. Never ending. We've talked about the purpose of God's love. To have a relationship with him. So that we might live and to glorify himself by loving us. And lastly, I want us to see the proof of God's love. For one thing, he created us. Psalm 139 and verse 13 and 14 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He proves that he loves us because he made us. Ephesians 2 and verse 10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Have you ever designed or built something that turned out really good? Turned out the way you had planned, the way you had designed. It makes you feel good. Your handiwork, some of you may do cross-stitching or crocheting or something like that and when you get done it turns out just the way you had it imagined that's the way God feels about us he created us in his image now we've fallen from his glory but he still loves us he loves us because we're his handiwork another proof of God's love is what we celebrate this time of year his son Jesus coming to die coming to the world, being born of a virgin, and then going to Calvary to die on a cross to save us from our sins. That's proof of God's love. Greater love has no man than this, and he laid down his life for his friends. That's what he did for us. 1 John 4 and verse 10, he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then John goes on there in that letter and he says, he gives us that eyewitness testimony. John says this in verse 14 there, that chapter 4. We have seen. You see, the apostle John was there. He walked with Jesus. He talked with Jesus. He was there. He says, we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. He was an eyewitness. It's a proof of God's love. And he predestines us for adoptions to sons, as sons of Jesus Christ. That's Ephesians 1 and verse 5. Now you may say, well, that's, that's not enough proof. Maybe this morning you can't feel the love of God. But He loves us. We're part of the sweetest love story ever written. In Genesis, Jesus is the ram at Abraham's altar. In Exodus, he's our Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's the high priest. In Numbers, he's the cloud by day and the pillar of fire at night. In Deuteronomy, he's the city of our refuge. In Joshua, he's that scarlet thread out Rahab's window. In Judges, he's our judge. In Ruth, he's our kinsman redeemer. In 1 and 2 Samuel, he's our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he's our reigning king. In Ezra, he's our faithful scribe. 
And Nehemiah, he's a re rebuilder of everything that is broken. And Esther, he's the Mordecai. Said he's faithful at the gate. And Job, he's our redeemer that ever liveth. And Psalms, he's my shepherd and I shall not want. And Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he's our wisdom. And Song of Solomon, he's the beautiful bridegroom. And Isaiah, he's the suffering servant. In Jeremiah and Lamentations, it is Jesus who's the weeping prophet. And we go on and we see that in Ezekiel, he's the wonderful four-faced man. And Daniel, he's the fourth man in the midst of a fiery furnace. And Hosea, he's my savior. He's my love. Forever faithful. And Joel, he baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. And Amos, he's our burden bearer. And Obadiah, he's our savior. And Jonah, he's the great missionary that goes to spread the word of God through all the world. We go on and we see in Micah, he's a messenger with beautiful feet. In Nahum, he's the avenger. And Habakkuk, he's the, he's the watchman ever praying for revival. And Zephaniah, he's the Lord mighty to save. And Haggai, he's the restorer of our lost heritage. And Zechariah, he's our fountain. And Malachi, he's the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. And Matthew, thou art the, son, the Christ, the son of the living God. And Luke, he's the son of man. And Mark, he's the miracle worker. And John, he's the door by which every one of us must enter. And Acts, he's the bright shining light that appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus. In Romans, he's our justifier. In 1 Corinthians, our resurrection. In 2 Corinthians, our sin bearer. In Galatians, he redeems us from the law. In Ephesians, he is our unsearchable riches. In Philippians, he supplies our every need. In Colossians, he is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In 1 and 2 Thessalonians, he is our soon coming king. First and second, Timothy, he's the mediator between God and man. And Titus, he's our blessed hope. And Philemon, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. In Hebrews, he's the blood of the everlasting covenant. And in James, it is the Lord that heals the sick. In first and second, Peter, he's the chief shepherd. In first, second, and third, John, it is Jesus that has the tenderness of love. In Jude, he's the Lord coming with 10,000 of his saints in, in Revelation. In Revelation. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is he who was dead and is now alive. Lift up your eyes, church, for your redemption draweth nigh. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And you say, I don't feel his love. We're part of the greatest love story ever written. He loves us with an unending, unconditional love. We're loved so much that he sent his son to die on the cross to save us from our sins. And so, as we come to his altar this morning, God has a question for us. He says, do you love me? And do you want to be my friend? And if you do, 
Well, then don't be afraid to take me by the hand if you want to. And we just have to answer simply yes or no. Yes or no. This Christmas season, as we celebrate his first coming, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If you let me in, I'll come and die with you and you with me. And that is my prayer for us this morning and every day. That we would say yes, Lord. We would say yes to his love. And let him be our Savior. Let's pray. Father, help us to experience your love today and every day of our life. Forgive us where we failed you, Lord. Forgive us where we have sin in our life that has kept us from having that solid relationship with you. Father, this morning as we come to your altar, we... We lay those sins at your, at your feet. Put them under the blood of Christ, Lord, and just ask you to forgive us. Be with us as we go throughout this week and help us to share your love with others. Through Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.